Welcome to Joyful Eating. I'm your host, Jules Clancy, a former food scientist and winemaker turned cookbook author and health coach. I've discovered a simple way to have a joyful relationship with food without sacrificing pleasure or my waistline, and I can help you get there too. Listen on to find out how. Hello, hello, and welcome to Joyful Eating, episode number 81, where we get to talk about my second most shameful mistake. Yay. <laughs> okay, going to out myself here, but um, before we get to that, my best bite I had this week, I made a cashew sauce last week, I think, for um, my joyful cooking class. And so I've been eating that this week and it's just been, I'd forgotten how good it is. It's like all it is, is like cashews pureed up with water and either lemon juice or some vinegar. Sometimes I put garlic in it, but this time I didn't, and a bit of salt. And it's just so flavorsome. So it's, it's kind of like hummus, but it's just got that cashew like richness and creaminess and just so good. So I've been having it with like poached eggs and dakka, which is really good. And I also had it with some sardines one day and it was just, yeah, so delicious. Plan for today is, first I'll share the story behind this episode, then I'm going to share my second most shameful mistake, which of course begs the question, what is the most shameful? (laughs) And we're not going to talk about that today. And then I'll I'll actually talk about like how I healed my relationship with alcohol, because the shameful mistake has to do with alcohol. And I've got a bonus tip for you as well. So basically the story behind this episode, why I decided to do it is um, I had a trip to Adelaide back in August, my 50th birthday. So, and another friend of mine's 2050 as well. So we had like a trip to Adelaide, which was fantastic. You know, went to the McLaren Vale, had a beautiful lunch. And that trip was really the kind of final step in my journey to really healing my relationship with alcohol and becoming like an intentional drinker. So it's a journey that I'll share with you in the how I how I did it section, but it's taken like five years and I started it like five years ago. And this trip, I like went to Adelaide. I um, went out with my friends and like my friend is like a very old friend and we were like, you know, booze hounds together kind of thing. So we had this trip. We had a fantastic time. We had lots of connection. We had lots of laughs. We had all the things and I didn't overdrink. Like I like had a plan, stuck to my plan and I actually didn't even want to drink more than my plan. It wasn't like I was like white knuckling it going, hang on. Oh, I wish I could like, you know, have more here. It was so great. Like we went out for lunch for, you know, what we, we, we would normally call a long boozy lunch. And it was a long, beautiful lunch. And you know, my other friends were, they were getting on it, but I had like glass of champagne, had a glass of Chardonnay with them and that was enough. Like, so I, I was driving, so I wouldn't have been able to drink anyway, but I didn't even want to. Like we had laughs, like I was, we all that connection, all that fun, like all that pleasure. Like I got to experience all of it without drinking too much and I didn't even want to drink more. So it was so like, that was so crazy to me. Like, well, no, no, it wasn't really that crazy to me now, but if you had told me five years ago that I would be able to go out for a big boozy lunch and only want to drink two glasses, I would have been like, no chance. But I did. And that's all I wanted. And it was fantastic. And of course, like, you know, we had the best quality. It was like, wasn't just any old random champagne. We were having Paul Roger and a really beautiful Chardonnay. So that was kind of like the final piece in the puzzle on my alcohol journey. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to do a podcast episode about it. So that tells you like where I've gotten to now. Amazing. <laughs> but I thought I'd frame this in the in like sharing my second most shameful mistake I've ever made in my life because that has to do with alcohol and that's going to show you how far I've come. So it's not like, you know, you could listen to this and think, oh yeah, Jules didn't really have a problem with alcohol. And yet I might, compared to some people, I didn't. 
However, it was something that did cause a lot of negative, has caused a lot of negatives in my life. And so I want to share like, you know, how far I've come. So that brings us nicely to my second most shameful mistake. And if you do want to find out my most shameful mistake, um, I'm not going to share it on the podcast. (laughs) Well, maybe I will one day, who knows? But yeah, so my second most shameful mistake. So this was back in 2003, it would have been. I was working as an assistant winemaker in the Barossa Valley. So um, I just split up with my husband at the time. So going through that kind of separation, heading for divorce, very stressful time. Also, like it was vintage time. So kind of towards the end of vintage. So I'd just been working crazy hours, like just literally like 16 hour days where you just you get up, you go to the winery, you're there all day, you have dinner there, you have lunch there, you go home, you're wrecked and then you get up and do it all again. Anyway, so it was like towards the end of vintage. And so my boss, the winemaker said, yeah, hey, let's all go out, go out for dinner. It was like Friday night. And so we like went out for dinner. I hadn't been out to a restaurant for like a couple of months because, um, yeah, because of vintage. And so of course I drove and of course we got on the sauce. <laughs> Like he's a winemaker, he's a big food hunter as well. So like he was ordering all this wine. And so I'd driven and I didn't really have a plan for how I was going to get home. And I was living in the country, so I couldn't really catch a cab. I guess I probably could have, but that thought didn't cross my mind. So I just like had this big boozy dinner and then we went to the pub afterwards. And then I, of course, drove home and I didn't make it all the way home. So I rolled the ute in like actually not that far from my home. So it was incredibly lucky that I didn't, um, yeah, so completely wrote it off. I walked away with just a a few cuts and which is, you know, incredible. I'm so lucky that that happened and that I didn't hurt anyone else apart from someone's fence. Yeah. So that, oh gosh, it's bringing up, (laughs) talking about my shameful mistake is bringing up some stuff. Anyway, of course it is. That's okay. I can handle it. Um, Yeah, so that was like one of the low points in my life, you know, that was from drinking. And yeah, of course, I regretted that. And then I also got the sack from my job because I'd driven the work you'd home and I'd written it off. And then I had to, I ended up having to pay the insurance out on the the ute because I was under the influence when I was driving and yeah, all all those things. So that was like, yeah, one of the low, 2003 was definitely the worst year of my life. for all those reasons. And I take responsibility that that was, you know, I, I did all those things and I was responsible for that. From there, things got better. <laughs> the story of Jules's life improves, thank heavens. I would be able to have a couple of alcohol-free days a week, always. So it wasn't like I was drinking every day and it was like, it was, I was completely dependent on it, but it was something that I would do these crazy things, like where I would go mental and just be like, what am I doing? <laughs> So then, you know, that kind of continued on. Jules's life improved. She went back to food science and then, you know, that, that, was, that was good. And then she ended up starting her own business. So it ended up me getting the sack from that job was probably a blessing because I wasn't ever going to be like an amazing winemaker. Anyway, so that's my career path. But we don't want to talk about that. So let's talk now about how, like, how I healed. So we'll fast forward to 2017, maybe. Yeah, it would have been 2017. So 10th anniversary of my mom's death. And so my sister organized for all my siblings, there's five of us, and my dad to go for a weekend away. We rented this huge house and we like all bought our kids and it was going to be like a really nice time to you know, get together as a family. And on that Friday night, I like just randomly, like no one else was really drinking. I just randomly like got really hammered and yeah, just woke up the next morning going, what am I doing? Like I was so 
embarrassed and felt a lot of shame, like in front of my family. Like I had the worst hangover, and then I had to like look after children and be there with my family. And I was just like, in that moment, I was like, no, something's got to change. I've got to get on top of this drinking thing. And I just made that commitment to myself that I was going to solve this problem and I was going to keep trying until I did solve the problem. So that began, like that was my five, that was you know, five years ago, that journey of me changing my, my relationship with alcohol. And how I actually did it was I really committed to this idea of planning in advance. So just deciding ahead of time how much I was going to drink. So before I started drinking, I was going to make a decision about, okay, am I having three glasses? Am I having a whole bottle? Am I having five glasses? Am I having one? Like, and just I committed to that on a regular basis. There was a lot of trial and a lot of error. And you know, I would plan stuff and then I would drink more than I'd plan. But over time, I got better at planning and I got better at sticking to my plan. And when I discovered coaching and actually uh, you got coached by a business coach and I just learned about how our brains work and learning to coach myself, I applied that into this you know, on my journey with alcohol and that really helped me being able to manage my thoughts and coach myself in the moment helped me stick to my plan more and more often. And the key thought that really, really helped me was just recognizing that if I've planned to drink two glasses of wine and I'm out for lunch, like in the past, I pretty much always would want more. Like, and so rather than being surprised about more wanting more, I just learned to tell myself like, of course you want another glass. Like this is delicious. It's amazing. But we've only, we've planned two glasses for a reason. Like let's switch to water or let's switch. We're going to switch to tea. We're going to switch to water. Let's get a kombucha. Like, and I would just coach myself in those moments to remind myself of why I had that plan in the first place. And of course I wanted more and also wasn't going to kill me if I didn't have more. And actually it was going to be better if I didn't have more. And so that practicing that skill of learning to coach myself in those moments was really transformative in being able to stick to my plan more and more often. And the other thing that really helped me on this journey was just like really getting clear on the, like the negative impacts of alcohol. So yeah, there's, if you have a hangover, of course, that's, you know, that sucks, but you know, just learning, just seeing like, and actually as I get older, like just really noticing the correlation between sleep and alcohol. And so these days, if I have like more than Actually, if I have more than one drink at nighttime, then I'll I will wake up in the middle of the night. It's like ridiculous. Like I'll wake up at 2 a.m. and I'll just be awake and I won't be able to get back to sleep. And so like that negative impact is a very strong motivator for me to drink more at lunchtime and drink less at nighttime. And that's literally like what I do. If I'm going to have wine, I try and have it generally have it more likely to have it lunchtime than I am in the evening. Understanding that negative impact was really helpful. And the other was getting really clear on and looking at the research on the relationship between cancer, especially breast cancer, which my mom had died from, um, even for just one drink a week, like that significantly increases your chance of breast cancer. So just understanding that even really moderate drinking in, has an impact on your cancer risk, like understanding that was has been really helpful as well as a another motivator to change this thing. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of how I did it. And yeah, where I am now, it's like, I still, I probably, I have like one or two drinks a week usually sometimes might be three this week it's my birthday so I'll be having a few more but um as I'm recording this it's my birthday and yeah so like it just it feels good like it feels when I have wine I love it I get really good quality and I enjoy every sieve 
And also I don't have this, neg- like I'm not ever having hangovers or feeling any shame about anything I'm doing around alcohol. Like it just feels natural and good and easy. And, you know, I go to my doctor and, you know, when they ask you about how much you drink, like I can honestly say it's like, you know, two glasses a week. And rather than like kind of rounding down and feeling shame about how much I'm and lying to my doctor about how much I'm actually drinking. So it just, it feels so good. And that I don't haven't don't have to do with the total abstinence thing. Like so, most people do that. Like they then they're going to change their relationship with alcohol. They go to zero, which I can get for some people. That's probably the only way. But for me, like I'm able to find this balance, and it's so good. Yeah, and I had a bonus tip for, for you guys. Um, so if you are curious and you would like to change your relationship with alcohol, then just to encourage you to start small. And also like commit to the change and being willing to fail as many times as it takes. Like there's a great Churchill, Winston Churchill quote of, you know, success is going from failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm, <laughs> which I love. And that's what, particularly in the early days, my um, yeah, changing my relationship with alcohol looked like. It was a lot of me failing in the beginning, but over time those fails got less frequent, less severe when they did happen. And yeah, and I was able to change. So just except that it is going to, there will be times where you fail and that's okay. It's just a matter of like learning from that and keeping going. And then the second bonus tip I would say is look at what you're actually wanting to get from the alcoholic. What do you think it is that alcohol drinking gives you? Whether that's relaxation, connection, that was a big one for me with like getting hammered with people, um, having fun, like, you know, it does feel like you're having fun. And the thing I want you to, that I've really realized is that any of those things that we want from alcohol, they're not really like, yes, they're true for the first drink. And most of the time they're probably true for the second drink, but any drinks after that, it's definitely diminishing returns. Like you don't get, like after those first two drinks, you don't really get any more relaxation. Like I used to think that like the connection came when you're getting really hammered with people. But in fact, the connection comes from spending time with people. It actually doesn't come from alcohol at all. Um, So like definitely after two drinks, you're not getting any more connection. And like, you know, if you can't even remember the conversation you had, was it really connection? No. Same with the fun piece. Like after two drinks, do you really get that much more fun? No. (laughs) So just, I think understanding that is really helpful in in this, like, actually, you know what, going into like drinking a lot, it, you really don't get the benefits. It, the benefits come from having a moderate amount. Okay. So that was a lot. <laughs> I feel like, hey, I've shared my, 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 um, my shameful, shameful past. Still got one more secret that I'm not going to share with the world. Um, that feels good. Yeah. And so if you want some help with this, like if you are interested in changing your relationship with alcohol and you are seriously committed and ready to do that work, I am thinking about starting a very small exclusive coaching group to help people get control over their drinking without quitting entirely. So if you're interested in that, I'm not 100% sure if I'm going to do it. Thinking about calling it the secret society of intentional booze hounds. Um, but yeah, if you are interested, just shoot me an email. So it's jules at thestonesoup.com. I'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, let, let me know if you're interested and we can, if we go ahead, I we can see what that would be a good fit. Okay. Have a beautiful week and I will catch you next week. Bye. Before you go, this is the best part. So if you enjoyed Joyful Eating, subscribe to the podcast and I'd love to send you a copy of my free cookbook called Six Ingredients, 20 Minutes, Simple Whole Foods for Joyful Weeknight Dinners. 
It's full of easy recipes so delicious they'll satisfy even the biggest food snob. Just Google Stone Soup and you'll find it.